Hello, and welcome again to the Myths and Legends of Europe. This episode is brought to you by the top podcast app, the Podbean Podcast app. This is a free app on which you can download any episode of my podcast and has other great features that let you easily discover, listen to and even publish a podcast. Whether you use an iPhone or an Android device, this app really is the one for your podcast needs. Go to Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store and download the app today. Get more from the podcasts that you love. And so, on with the story. The Myths of the Norse, Chapter 13, The Curse of Foresight Sigurd, son of Sigmund, was a fine warrior and a magnificent specimen of humanity. His hair was brown and really quite splendid, long and flowing. He had a thick, short beard of the same colour. His shoulders were so broad he looked like two men. His eyes were piercing and serious and few men dared look him in the face. His sword, Gram, was long and magnificent and he carried an ornamental shield plated with red gold and emblazoned with a dragon. All of his weapons were plated with gold. He was known far and wide as the one who had slain the dragon. Far away, south of the river Rhine, lived a king called Giuki. He was married to Grimhild, a woman well acquainted with the art of magic, and they had three sons called Gunnar, Hogni and Guttorm. They also had a daughter called Gudrun, who was the most famous of all maidens for many, many miles around. Gunnar, Hogni and Guttorm were big, strong men whose deeds were known to all. The kingdom of the Gyukungs flourished. Gyuki's three sons surpassed all other men in their deeds. His daughter was worthy only of the best. Would there be a man out there worthy of marrying her? The great Sigurd rode away from Fafnir's lair in very good spirits. He rode on and on towards Hidarfell as he had been told that he must. When the mountain was in sight, he noticed a great light on its summit. Sigurd was intrigued and his curiosity grew as he approached. As he got closer, he saw that the light was coming from a rampart of shields, behind which a warrior was lying asleep. He was dressed in full armour. Sigurd, not afraid of anyone, removed the sleeping warrior's helmet and was amazed to see that he was in fact a she. Was this the Valkyrie, as had been prophesied? The armour she wore was so tight it seemed to be moulded into her flesh. Sigurd drew his sword and with one swing sliced the mail from neck to a sleeve. Lady, you have slept too long, he said. The woman sat up and spoke. As she spoke, Sigurd gazed at her. She was spectacularly beautiful. Who is so strong he can slice through my armour? I think it can only be Sigurd, son of Sigmund, who slew the dragon Fafnir. Sigurd nodded. I am indeed he from the line of the Volsungs. I've been told about you. I've heard you are wise and I will test that wisdom. I am Brynhild, she replied. I struck down the king Agnar in battle. Odin promised victory to his opponent, King Hjalmgunnar, and he took his revenge. The Allfather made me sleep and told me I will never have another victory and I will never marry anyone who knows fear. Sigurd nodded. Teach me the ways of great things. The lady filled two goblets with wine and gave one to Sigurd and then began. I give you beer with runes of healing and the ability to speak with charm and persuasion. I give you victory runes. If you want wisdom, then you must cut them into the hilt of your sword, in the centre of the blade and on the brand. You must say the name of Tyr twice. 
I give you runes of the waves which will keep you safe at sea. I give you runes of speech. I give you runes of ale which will keep you safe from poison. You will learn runes of aid which will give you the skill to help a woman deliver a child. You will know runes of the branch which will make you a healer. You will learn mind runes which will make you the wisest of all men. Enjoy the runes when you have taken them or learned them. Use them wisely. Now speak or be silent. I will not flee, replied Sigurd. I am fated for death, as you know, but I am no coward, and I have your advice and will keep it with me as long as I live. Can you give me more wise words? I will tell you, because you seek wisdom wisely. Be good to your family and stand by them. Forgive them for wrongdoings and don't take revenge. Endure difficulty with patience. Beware of bad dealings, particularly with a maid's love and a man's wife. Control your temper with foolish men at parties and feasts. If you are called a coward, then you must not let people believe it may be true. Wait and kill the man at a later time. Beware roads by which dwell evil creatures. Do not be enticed by a beautiful woman at a feast. Do not tempt them with kisses or tenderness in case they interfere with your mind. Do not fight with men who are drunk on wine. Brynhild took another sip of her wine and carried on. It is better to fight with your enemies than burn at home. Do not break a vow. Honour the dead, whether they fall in battle or have succumbed to disease or drowning. But do not trust any other man whose kinsmen you have slain. Beware the wiles of friends and do not incur the hate of your in-laws. Sigurd was blown away by the overdose of wisdom. Nobody is wiser than you, Brynhild. I must marry you. You are the only one for me. And you for me, she replied softly. And so, this they agreed. Sigurd left and rode on until he came to a vast estate called Hlimdale. It was owned by a chieftain called Hymir, who happened to be married to Brynhild's sister, Beckhild, and they had a son called Elsvid, who was known to be the most courteous of men. They invited Sigurd to stay with them, and they and their friends marvelled at the jewels, gold, armour and weapons that made up Fafnir's treasure. Sigurd remained with his hosts for a long time, and went hunting with Hymir's friends. All were delighted to have the dragon slayer in their midst. One day, though, Sigurd's happy holiday came to an end. He was out hunting with his new friends when his hawk strayed to a high tower and settled on a window. Sigurd followed the bird and peered in through the glass. Inside the tower he saw a woman who was embroidering a tapestry with gold. Sigurd saw that the work told the story of his great deeds, the slaying of the dragon, the seizing of Fafnir's hoard and the death of Regin. More than this, though, the woman carefully decorating the cloth was Brynhild. Sigurd remembered his love for her and was unusually subdued when he returned to his new friends. Elsvid asked him what was wrong. When Sigurd told him, Elsvid shook his head. You cannot have her, you must not pine for her. I will give her gold and gain her love, replied Sigurd defiantly. All she wants to do is go warring, warned Elsvid. No man has been able to sit with her and be given ale to drink. You cannot win her. But Sigurd was determined. The very next day he set off for Brynhild's house. When he got there, he boldly went into her chamber. He greeted the object of his desire and sat down next to her. That seat is granted to few, said Brynhild. But now it's granted to whoever pleases me, said Sigurd with the confidence of a man who knew no fear. Brynhild smiled. It has happened as was promised. You are welcome here. Sigurd put his arms around Brynhild and kissed her. 
You are the most beautiful woman who has ever been born, he said. Don't put all your trust in a woman, said Brynhild. Women always break their promises. We will be together, said Sigurd, ignoring the last comment. We are not fated to be together, she replied. I'm a warrior. I wear a helmet and ride with the warrior kings. I am born to fight. But our lives will be complete if we're together. If it doesn't happen, then the grief will be harder to bear than a sharp weapon. Brynhild, cursed by her ability to know what was to come, answered sadly, I must review the troops of the warriors, and you will marry Gudrun, daughter of Gyuki. I will marry nobody but you, countered Sigurd firmly. This seemed to convince Brynhild, because for the second time she agreed, and again they swore an oath before going their separate ways. Sigurd returned to his home and his men. Gudrun, daughter of Gyuki, was troubled. She told her servants that she simply couldn't be happy because her dreams were troubling her. She just didn't seem to do well in them. One of her attendants told her to tell her about her dreams. This is the worst, answered Gudrun. I had a handsome hawk with golden feathers on my arm. There was nothing in the world I cared for more than this hawk. I would have given all my wealth to possess the bird. Ah, the man you will marry will be well-bred and you will love him deeply, replied the attendant. I'm sure he will be a king's son. You are known for your beauty, wisdom and courtesy. You must visit Brynhild. She will tell you who he will be. And so they travelled to Brynhild's tower. She saw them coming and she knew who it must be, and so she went out to meet them. The visitors entered the splendid hall covered in gold, paintings and tapestries. Games were held in their honour and they were fed and watered lavishly. Gudrun tried to enjoy the festivities which were being thrown in her honour, but it was obvious she was somewhat melancholy. Why are you not merry? asked Brynhild. Let's talk of kings and their splendid deeds. Gudrun was slightly surprised by this response. OK, she said. Who do you think has been the best and most powerful king? Haggi and Hagbard, I think. Their warfaring feats are legendary. Yes, they were great and famous, but Sigar took their sister and burned their house down, and they took too much time before getting their revenge, answered Gudrun. Surely my brothers are the best. Maybe, maybe, considered Brynhild, but I think they've not been tested yet. And anyway, there is one I know who exceeds them, leaves them far behind. He is Sigurd, son of Sigmund. He was still a boy when he killed the sons of King Hunding in revenge for his father. His deeds are known far and wide. Brynhild continued to tell Gudrun all about Sigurd and his feats of strength and courage. She told her about Sigurd's family and his upbringing, until it was clear to Gudrun that Brynhild was in love with this man. She cut in and asked the warrior woman to help her with her dreams. Brynhild tried to brush off the request, telling Gudrun to go back home to her family and not worry about them, but the daughter of Gyuki was not to be put off. She told Brynhild about her latest dream. Some friends and I saw a huge stag. We all wanted to catch it, but I found I was the only one able to. But then you, Brynhild, shot the stag with an arrow right before my eyes. I was terribly upset. But then you made it worse. You gave me a wolf cub which sprayed me with the blood of my brothers. What can this mean? Brynhild sighed, weighed down by her wisdom and knowing she must interpret truly. I will tell you what this means. Sigurd will come to you, the man I have chosen to be my husband. He will be distracted from his love for me because your mother will give him a potion, some enchanted mead. She will do this for you, but it will bring everyone grief. 
you will marry Sigurd, but you will quickly lose him. After this, you will marry King Atli, my brother. You will lose your beloved brothers, and then you will kill Atli. I am overcome with grief at this knowledge, replied Gudrun sadly. Then she and her troop made their way back home. Sigurd, still carrying all of Fafnir's treasure on his poor overloaded horse, rode away from his home and from his men. Inevitably, he found himself at the hall of King Yuki. He rode into the citadel, looking for all the world like a god. That is, in fact, exactly what the king's men thought he was. This massive man dressed in gold and carrying the best and scariest weapons they had ever seen. The king rode out with one of his closest advisers to meet the visitor. When he learned he was in the presence of Sigurd the Dragon Slayer, he welcomed him into his home and called for feasting. And a very fine feast was had. The conversation flowed. Many of Sigurd's words were in praise of Brynhild, and it was clear to Gudrun's mother that this fine man was in love with the warrior woman. Grimhild thought that Sigurd would, in fact, make a fine husband for Gudrun. Surely the daughter of the most renowned king around should be wed to this hero of a king's son. Not only that, the man was clearly very wealthy, judging by the enormous piles of red gold he carried around with him. Giyuki obviously held his guest in high esteem, and Gunnar, Hogni and Guttorm were already treating him like a brother. An evening or two later, when yet another feast was underway, the Queen handed Sigurd a hoard of mead. Wise he may have been, but it seems that poor old Sigurd couldn't identify enchanted mead when he saw it. He swigged deep and thanked Grimhild, and immediately forgot all about Brynhild. He had no memory of her whatsoever. King Giyuki will be your father, said Grimhild to Sigurd. I will be your mother, and Gunnar, Hogni and Guttorm will be your brothers. Sigurd seemed to receive this news well. The next night, Grimhild told her husband he must offer Sigurd their daughter in marriage. After all, wasn't it only right the most powerful and greatest hero in the world should be part of their family? He would bring honour and glory, more even than they had already. Giyuki thought about this, and he agreed. He would do just that. A day or two later, rather unsurprisingly, there was another feast. Gudrun served Sigurd his drinks, and he noticed, for the first time, just how lovely-looking she was. He resolved to stay until the time presented itself for him to tell her how he felt. In the end, of course, he didn't need to. It was Gunnar, Gudrun's eldest brother, who broached the subject. Sigurd, said the eldest son of King Giyuki, we want to do what we can to encourage you to remain with us in this fine land. We will give you a position of the highest honour in our kingdom and offer you the hand of my sister in marriage. There is nobody else in the world who is worthy of this honour, and to no other would we make this offer. Sigurd bowed solemnly. I give you thanks for this great honour. I accept. A few days later, Sigurd and Gudrun were married. The wedding feast was, if it were possible, even more lavish and magnificent than the previous huge and gluttonous banquets which Giyuki and his family had held in Sigurd's honour. Days and days the party went on. Each day's food, drink, games and entertainment were more extraordinary than the last. Sigurd and his new family went on a tour of the country, doing fine kingly things and bold deeds. Sigurd had saved a piece of Fafnir's heart, and he gave it to Gudrun to eat. After she'd done this, she became wiser, but a little grimmer. Before long, the couple had a son who they named Sigmund. And so Grimhild had got her way. Her daughter was married to a hero. There was, though, still something missing. 
things wouldn't be perfect until her eldest son was also married. It was time to find a wife for Gunnar. There was only one woman good enough for her son, as far as Grimhild was concerned. There was only one woman wise, beautiful and powerful enough to be worthy of Gunnar. He must marry Brynhild. When Grimhild informed her son this was her wish, he immediately took to the idea. Brynhild was indeed spectacularly good-looking and as wise as wise could be. It was a great idea. His brothers, his father and his new brother-in-law all encouraged him. Sigurd would ride with him to claim his bride. Gunnar and Sigurd set off for the hall of King Budley. They asked the king for Brynhild's hand in marriage. Budley agreed readily, but warned them his daughter may not be so keen. She would only marry the one she chose, and she was quite choosy. Gunnar could marry Brynhild, but only if she was happy with the match. Gunnar thanked the king solemnly, and then rode on to Hlimdale. There they spoke with Hymir. He told them that Brynhild would choose her own husband, and would not agree to marry Gunnar unless she was very happy to do so. He also told them that her hall was only a short distance away and was surrounded by a vicious blazing fire. Brynhild would not marry any man who would not ride through the fire. Gunnar and Sigurd rode to Brynhild's hall. Hymir had not been joking. The hall was in a golden-roofed fortress and surrounding the fortress was a curtain of fire. Gunnar spurred his horse, Goaty, on towards the flaming barrier, but the horse refused to run through the flames. What's going on? asked Sigurd. Why did you not ride through the fire? My horse won't do it. Can I borrow yours? Sigurd and Gunnar swapped horses. Gunnar spurred Grani, Sigurd's horse, toward the fire, but Grani, like Goaty, would not gallop through. Gunnar trotted back to Sigurd. If no horse would go through the flames, how was he going to claim his bride? Next time, we'll see how the flame is breached and watch as the horrible consequences unfold. Before I go, just a reminder that this episode was brought to you by the Podbean podcast app. Go to the Google Play or Apple iTunes store and download the app. Get more from the podcasts that you love. And so, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.